Craig here, Rainbow Radio and KXFM 104.7 in Laguna Beach. Glad to be here this morning in this beautiful uh, 73 degrees here in Laguna Beach. Yes, it's Saturday and it is beach weather it, as, as it starts out uh, in Laguna Beach uh, where partly cloudy, yes, which means you can get in before the beach gets crowded and get settled and claim your spot early on and know that by uh, afternoon it's going to be very comfortable. Partly cloudy skies, 73 degrees, wind southwest, 10 to 15 miles per hour, nice little afternoon breeze, 77% humidity, so <laughs> you're not going to dry up like a prune. And... Uh, Sunset is 7.22 p.m. And as for this week coming up here in lovely Laguna Beach, it is typical fabulous weather. Uh, low 80s. Um, by next weekend, it's going to be 87. So we're going to have a bit of a warming trend, but that's okay. But it's going to be sunny, 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 2%, 2 to 3% chance of rain throughout the week. So it's going to be warm and sunny all, sunny all week. Summer is finally here. 
unlike the rest of the nation, we're so blessed, so blessed, so blessed. So good morning, good morning, Saturday market. It's a fabulous day to go get a get all your food food for a fabulous Saturday afternoon. Uh, um, what's news in Laguna Beach? Well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I um, I'm going to try and call a friend of mine and see if I can get some information about the uh, one OC Community Cup that's coming up. I'm going to call John Mitchell. He seems to know about all these things. I'll do that at the next break. I'll get his phone number and call him up. Wouldn't that be fun? Call someone up Saturday morning after they've been out all night partying. <laughs> yes, I like to do that because I have to get up. Everyone else should have to get up also. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, what else is going on? Uh, it's been a busy week. We have, um, we have, uh, what else do we have to do? I have gonna, I have a whole bunch of news and it's all collated here. Um, first of all, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the KX FM event that's going on here. Um, what I really want to talk about, it's important to this, the station here. We have the KX Fest going on and we do it. Um, you know, I'm not sure if this is the first one we're doing. I don't, I'm, I don't remember. I've been here four years. I don't remember KX Fest before, but nonetheless, it's coming up in October 26th. We will be celebrating 10 years of which four years I've participated with the station. So I'm getting to be an old timer here. My word, I never thought of it quite like that. I thought when I started this gig four years ago, coming up on five, oh, this will be fun for a while. Well, I'm still here, folks. They can't seem to bug me off. And I'm loving it every time I'm here. Once a week, I look forward to connecting with my peeps. Uh, so I, I digress. <laughs> KXFM uh, is celebrating 10 years at the Festival of the Arts this year with a full casino and a silent auction, artists creating masterpieces. I'm um, So we, uh, the masterpieces are four amazing bands, which uh, I guess they're at the trapdoor is social is one top shelf brass band, Cayecas. And flashback heart attack. Ooh, I don't like that heart attack thing. But anyway, flashback heart attack I, uh, is those are the four bands: Teardrop Social, Top Shelf Brass Band, Kayakas, Kayakas. Not rolling out. Rolled out fine the first time. Now it's not. It's giving me trouble. Flashback heart attack. Tickets are on sale now for eighty-five dollars at kxfmradio.org. That's our website. Click the banner at the top of the page or text. 1047 to our phone number, which is 949-715-5936. It's 949-715-5936. Easiest, just go to our website. Yeah, click the banner. Website, click the banner. And the website is kxfmradio.org. kxfmradio.org. And that's coming up uh, October 26th. So you have a little time, mark your, at least mark your calendars. <laughs> 
So yes, um, that's very important. We'll see you there. Absolutely. So um, I have some, I have some, I don't know which way I want to start with this, but let's start with the light and easy, um, which is on this day in history. And I, I, I always like to add my commentary. Um, first of all, how is everyone out there? Are we doing good this week? It was a good week. I, I'm feeling, I am feeling better about the world in general. I mean, there are things that are scary, but there's also things, there's also some good indicators. Um, I was so glad that we have the youngest congressman, 25 years old, uh, in Florida, um, Mitch, I think I said Mitchell. I can't remember his first name now. I'm drawing a blank. Here, I, I got all excited and I, and I have all sorts of news, but I, this is the one thing I take the top story and I don't remember his name. But he was kind of surprised, but he was uh, uh, one of the um, original uh, supporters of the uh, anti, um, I guess, I guess the gun, control the gun somewhere, you know, anti-assault weapons in school. There's, there's, there's so much rhetoric going on that, you know, most of the, the, the um, gun murders are with handguns. Indeed they are like 99.9%, but 99%. And so why would you want to get rid of assault weapons? Because most of the murders are from handguns. Well, if you look at the mass assaults, which uh, are, you know, like 10 or 15 or 30 people, it is the assault weapons that are used, not the handguns. So uh, there's a lot of arguments back and forth. And what I'm trying to say here, I guess, is a level-headed, thoughtful process when it comes to these issues is the best way forward and not um, emotional, irrational response, as with anything in life, really. <laughs> anyway, I guess I'm trying to say this early this morning, Saturday morning here in Laguna Beach, I'm feeling better this week and uh, about what's going on in the world a bit. And I hope that continues to make me feel uh, better and, and the, that we're on a, a, a trend towards um, a kinder, kinder, better world. And so with that, I won't give up hope. <laughs> we cannot give up hope. We have a, a new, uh, here in Laguna Beach, we have four new, uh, is it four? I think there's four new candidates for city council. And um, it's, I'm curious to find out what they're all about. I think that will be interesting. And that may, uh, that may bring in, I don't know, a, a new spirit of, um, of cooperation and I don't know, a new spirit of kindness and a new community effort that's good for Laguna Beach. Let's be hopeful on that. And uh, the Chamber of Commerce is, is sponsoring a uh, a Zoom. You can either Zoom and watch or you can participate if you'd like. You can ask, put questions before the the, can the candidates for them to respond to. So there's no excuse for not participating and finding out what the candidates are about and voting <clears throat> voting for uh, your favorite candidate. I like to equate what goes on in 
in city councils and smaller uh, communities to uh, a similar parallel with smaller, um, I guess, uh, <clears throat> residential communities and HOAs. I often feel that the similarity between the two, and, and I think I bring this up because I think a lot of people are familiar with HOAs and because they have maybe lived in apartment communities or or, or uh, condominium communities where uh, you have your own condominium, but there's an association which you have to comply with and, and there's a board and all that stuff. Well, the board is like the city council. And I think often in a community like that, the people are, uh, say it's an apartment uh, condominium community and there's um, 300 condos in this community. A lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of the people in the community have jobs and families and they're busy and they're and, uh, between their job and their social life and, uh, you know, their vacations when they can take them and uh, the responsibilities uh, with many things in their life. They don't have a, a lot of time to mess with an HOA. You know, they pay their dues and they hope that, um, uh, that they're compliant with everything and they just kind <clears> of <throat> get along with it. <coughs> Excuse me. And so there are people in the community, though, that have a lot of time on their hands and they get involved in the HOA for various reasons. And not often, and, and, and sometimes, not, uh, sometimes not for the best of reasons because they have may, many may have uh, their own agenda. But also they may have a very honorable agenda, but not always. So I, <coughs> excuse me. So I think sometimes that's what happens. And, and when they're busy, the bulk of the community is busy taking care of their lives and doing things. And they kind of push the association aside and, and they do their own thing. And then one day they discover that there's all sorts of rules and regulations and they can't park their car in their own driveway because the association says that they shouldn't. And then they can't put things on their balcony because they don't think that they're attractive and they can't do this and they can't do that. And pretty soon the, Residents get sick and tired of all the rules and regulations and they move and get the hell out of there because it's become not what it was when they moved in and they're unhappy with it. And I think to some degree that can happen in small communities where um, the, um, and I'm not saying that's happening here, but I'm saying it can happen. And, and uh, I'm saying this because I think I want to encourage everyone to respond and listen to the new city council and find out what they're all about and have some input. And I know if everyone's busy with their lives and they're worried about their car payments and their house payments and getting to work on time and, and taking care of uh, their kids getting to high school and, and uh, many, many things that involve our lives that um, it's, also important to uh, understand what's going on in city council and the, the measures they're taking to make this community uh, a very wonderful, viable, and good place to live. So um, that's my message. <laughs> I'm encouraging everyone <laughs> to uh, put an ear to what's going on uh, with the panel discussions that are coming up and the opportunity to submit questions. So that's my message. And what those questions may provoke is a dialogue and uh, 
maybe provoke a better understanding to these representatives what the community has an interest in seeing uh, develop uh, within the community, whatever it might be. Yeah. So it's an exciting time and it's an exciting opportunity because after all, we do need to vote on city council members. I know I see to Tony Eisman did not up re-up for city council, so she will not be there this next uh, session. And she has really devoted a lifetime to Laguna Beach. And I'm sure she will be honored as she has in the past um, for all that she's contributed. So it is going to change a bit. and. Uh, the new city council will be will be different than it's been. Much probably, probably much more change than there has been in the past. You know, I I know I've seen just in the last three or four years a lot of change with the city council. So that's my 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 pro provocative. No, maybe it's not provocative, but let's see. That's my message to encourage encourage more uh, involvement and in our little fair city as it as it works to become the best place on earth we can if we can really get there i'm still working on my um five-year strategy and three pillars of support which um i'm developing a website for it which uh hopefully maybe the city council will take a keen interest in and maybe the community will as well, but it's it's a message to to everyone, uh, kind of about maybe uh, maybe a path forward for uh, Laguna Beach that's um, you know could be could be very interesting. You'll you'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, I want to thank our sponsors and supporters for uh, Rainbow Radio, which is Compass Realty by far. But also, more recently, um, Laguna Beach Pride has been very, very supportive of Rainbow Radio. Um, and we thank Laguna Beach Pride. Uh, uh, and um, specifically the Capital Group and, uh, and John Mitchell. So anyway, we will... Um, I'm going to take a short break here and with a, one, one music song, see if I can get uh, uh, a phone number here and do a, a, a call in, a call out, I guess I should say, and, uh, and uh, do a public service announcement as a result of that. All right, here we go. Hold on. <laughs>
Well, that should have woken you up this morning. Do you believe in love? Okay, we're going to get uh, on with, um, I don't know if it's necessarily love, but it's about what on this day in history happened. There's probably some love in there. Yeah, uh, there, there has been in the past, but it's history. So, you know, you got to love it and hate some of it. A little, uh, little sweet with the bitter. Bitter with the sweet? Oh, yeah, okay. Let's go. Come on, Craig. August 27th, on this day in history... In 1961, U.S. fashion designer and gay icon Tom Ford is born. Mm. 61, so that would make him 62 years old or thereabouts. Yeah, okay. Just checking um, because he's still very designing. All right, and moving along to that was all the history on this date. Not much happened. Moving along to the 28th on this day in history for this week. Um, 1951. Oh, that person's very old. <laughs> no, that's not a person. The Supreme Court of California rules in Stuman, Stauman, S-T-O-U, Stauman versus Riley, that the mere congregation of homosexuals, there you go, Brian Rodriguez, at a bar was not sufficient grounds, really, for suspending the bar's liquor license. My, my, my. <laughs> the ruling came... In the case of the Black Cat Bar, I've heard all about that bar. A San Francisco gay bar that was the target of a 15-year campaign by state and local authorities to shut it down. Yeah, they should shut it down. You know, that's wrong. But I digress. 1963, the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, or the Great March on Washington, as it was also known, takes place. It becomes one of the largest political rallies for human rights in the United States history, organized in large part by Bayard Rustin, who built and led the team of activists and organizers who publicized the march and recruited the marchers, coordinated the buses and trains and provided the marshals and set up the administ and administered all the logistic details of a mass march on the nation's capital. This was in 63, folks. Mm-hmm. The NAACP chairman, Roy Wilkins, did not want Rustin to receive any public credit for his role in planning the march because he was a known homosexual. Yeah, we wouldn't want to give a homosexual any credit. More on Rustin through this story from NPR. It's kind of like, uh, oh, Turing. Turing with... Um, breaking the code, you know, they didn't want to give him any credit for saving millions of people in World War II because he was a homosexual. Mm -hmm. After all, that would kind of validate them as being less than subhuman. All right, in 1982, in San Francisco, almost 50,000 people attend the opening of the first gay games. In 82, I went to the gay games up in Canada. Um when they called them the gay Olympics and they had to drop, uh, yeah, gay games. It was a very tearful and heartfelt emotional event. I have to say this in the time of HIV was in major oof. Anyway, it was a wonderful event and um, Canada was very accepting. In August 29th in LGBTQ history in 18, ooh, Ooh, I'm sure 
My friend Joe Meisel remembers that. Uh, and in 18, I say, Joe, Joe, <laughs> you've had a few good years. In 1867, LGBTQ rights pioneer Carl Heinrich Ehrlich becomes the first self-proclaimed homosexual to speak out publicly for, publicly for homosexual rights when he pleads at a congr Congress of German ju jurists in Munich for a resolution urging the repeal of anti-homosexual laws. Boy, was he a forerunner <laughs> in 1867. Little could he foresee what would happen during World War, I think even one, but two for sure, when they rounded him up and, uh, and did the, all those horrible things. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, let's move along to August 30th. In 1956, well, we're getting closer to home, uh, American psychologist Evelyn Hooker shares her paper titled The Adjustment of the Male Overt Homosexual. Hmm. We're going to adjust them. At the American Psychological Association convention in Chicago, after administering psychological tests such as the Rorschach, that's what it says, Rorschach, to a group of homosexuals and heterosexual males, Hooker's re research concludes homosexuality is not a clinical entity and that heterosexuals and homosexuals do not differ significantly. Really, Ms. Hooker, <laughs> Evelyn? Uh, Hooker's experiment becomes very influential, changing clinical perceptions of homosexuality. In 1991, Simon LeVay, a neuroscientist who now directs the Institute of Gay and Lesbian Education in Southern California, published in the magazine Science findings from autopsies of men and women of known sexual orientation. He found that a tiny region in the center of the brain, the interstitial Statile mm -hmm. nucleus of the anterior hypothalamus, mm -hmm. also referred to as the INAH3, was on average substantially smaller in 19 gay men who died from AIDS than among 16 heterosexual men. The observation that the male brain could take two different forms depending on one's sexual orientation was a stunning discovery. Well, could AIDS have affected that? I don't know. Because it was from... Um, mm -hmm. Well, I, I remember hearing about that study and everyone was going, oh, they can look at the brain and tell you, well, whatever. Moving along to August 31st, in 1979, at the start of the Labor Day weekend at the Shri Ram Asham near Benson, Arizona. Oh, yeah, I remember this. The Spiritual Conference for Radical Fairies was organized as a call to gay brothers. And early rights advocates Harry Hay and John Burnside and Don Kilhefner and Mitch Walker, it became the birthplace of the Radical Fairies. Hmm. <laughs> radical fairies. 
Oh, interesting. 2005, uh, in U.S. versus Blaylock, the United States Court of Appeals and the Eighth Circuit denied an appeal based on the exclusion of a potential juror, which the defendant alleged was based on the juror's sexual orientation. The appeal had sought to extend to sexual orientation and the protections of Baston versus Kentucky, which forbids excluding potential jurors based on race. Hmm. Okay, moving along to 2007, Kathleen Sublius, governor of the U.S. state of Kansas, issues executive order banning discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity in the public sector. Good on you, Kathleen. And that's in Kansas. Oh, Dorothy, Dorothy. Gracious, gracious, Dorothy. Oh, <laughs> I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Oh, moving along to September 1. In 1969, in West Germany, they repeal a law prohibiting gay acts between consenting adults, which applies to males only. Hmm. As lesbian, lesbianism was never prescribed by the German law. Well, I guess the women could get together, but the men never could, but now they can. Well, 1969, what an interesting year to do that. Mm -hmm. Moving along to 1977, the present day log cabin Republicans organized organization is founded by the Gay Republicans Club. Hmm. A group of lesbians and gays within the United States and the Republican Party. All right. Uh, oxymoron, I think. In 1979, New Jersey discriminates private consensual homosexual act. Oh, decriminalizes, excuse me. Private consensual homosexual acts. How about that? 79. Hmm? In 2009, Vermont's same-sex marriage laws go into effect. Good on Vermont. In 2009, well, soon enough, I guess. And on the last day of the week in history, on September 2nd, going way back again to Dr. Evelyn Hooker, <laughs> in 1907, Dr. Evelyn Hooker is born. Dr. Hooker published the first empirical research to challenge the notion that homosexuality is a mental illness. Her work is the foundation of an entire field of research that led to the removal of homosexuality from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. So we can give a good nod to Evelyn on that one. And in 1967, Dick Michaels and Bill Rand and Sam Winston published the first issue of the Los Angeles Advocate. And the Advocates has survived. The forerunner of The Advocate in an, in an edition of 500 copies. The Advocate goes on to be one of the largest LGBTQ publications in history. And in 2011, the California State Senate passes AB9 known as Seth's Law after 13-year-old Seth Walsh, who, was, who committed suicide, in 2010, after constant homophobic harassment at his school, the bill would require every school in California to implement an anti-harassment and anti-discrimination policies and programs that include actual or perceived sexual orientation and gender identity expression 
the state assembly had passed the bill in June 2011. And that is so important. You know, the Trevor Project. The number for the Trevor Project. I have that. I have that somewhere here. Wow. Okay. Now, there are some articles. I usually go and give the headlines, which I have a lot of headlines, which I can run through. But this week, I'm going to do a little bit of a departure and talk about some other news. Well, uh, that is um, a little more this week in depth. In depth. We're de we're we're getting into the weeds into in some news articles. Uh, I have my research team, <laughs> and boy, do they get into depth. <laughs> they roll their sleeves up and go go in deep. <laughs> oh, I, I could. Uh, um, anyway, I better better change direction real quick on that one. Um, um, this is an article that was submitted by my research team. And they're in the in they're in the thick of it up in LA, and they know what they're talking about. This uh, it, the headline reads: Republican candidate supports stoning gays to death. Mm -mm -mm. How about that? Reporters in Oklahoma are asking a candidate with a violent past why he refuses to reply to their questions about comments he made years ago, suggest, suggesting gays should be executed. Lovely. Today, Republican Scott Esk faces fellow Republicans, Gloria Bannister, in a runoff for state house seat. What state? Oklahoma. Mm. Esk 56, according to LGBTQ Nation, is being confronted by local press about his previous comments, and he is not handling them well. Esk said in a video he dismissed online on Sunday set uh, to set the record straight for the third time that reports that his views were manufactured to make him appear in a bad light, calling them hit pieces. As a result of the local news uh, station reporting on his old comments, he responded in a YouTube video on July 15th that he believes his stance on homosexuality makes him a Christian. That's probably the most misused, abused term. I stood up to what... Uh, is right in the past and I intend to in the future. And I am right now. That's got me in trouble, Esk said. The media are not my friends as far as I'm concerned. In 2014, when Esk was running for statewide office, KFOR Radio City's NBC affiliate reported that Esk commented, commented on a Facebook uh, lead uh, note the previous year, in response to somebody's question about whether homosexuals should be executed, he, presumably by stoning, uh, following Pope Francis's comment, suggestion, he suggested where he suggested he cannot judge them. Uh, Esk's response was, I think we uh, would be totally in the right to do it, he wrote. Hmm. Uh, that goes against some parts of libertarianism, I realize but I'm a largely a libertarian, but ignoring as a nation things that are worthy of death is very remiss. Oh, so he believes it's worthy of death. Mm -hmm. 
While running for state representative, Esk defended his remarks by stating that executions of gay people were a matter of the Old Testament law that came directly from God. I, I can't, I'm going to read anymore. I'm going to get that anymore. That's just disgusting. That's the, this, I feel like going home, taking a shower after that one. Florida Christian schools say it, another article here will refer uh, to students only by biological gender. Ask gay and transgender students to and ask gay and transgender students to leave. Okay, that's lovely. Grace Christian School in Valarico told parents in an email that they have to agree to all the policies and procedures before their child can start school. A religious school in Florida says that it, it will only refer to students by their sex assigned at birth, while pupils who are Pupils who are gay, transgender, or gender non-conforming will be asked to leave the school immediately. Uh, NBC obtained an email from Grace Christian School in Valrico, it's the city, about 20 uh, cent before the beginning of the school year by Administrator Barry McKean. The subject line of the email reads, important school policy point, point of emphasis, please read. The June 6th correspondence to parents cited scripture and said that the students will be referred to by their gender on their birth certificates during the school year beginning this month. While the email refers to biological gender, the National Institute of Health defines gender as the social constraint as opposed to sex, which is the biological difference between females and males. We believe that God created mankind in his image, male, man, female, woman, sexually different but with equal dignity. Therefore, one's biological sex must be affirmed and no attempts should be made to physically change, alter, or disagree with one's biological gender, including, but not limited to, elective sex reassignment, transvestite, transgender or non-binary gender fluid acts of conduct. And they refer to Genesis 1, 2, 6 through 2, 8. Students in school will be referred to by gender on their birth certificate and refer, referenced in name in the same fashion. Well, I suppose they can do that. But I think the point is uh, while the policy is not new, Students who found participating in these lifestyles will be asked to leave the school immediately. While the policy is not new, it must be understood and accepted completely, the email said, adding that the parents would have to agree to all policies and procedures before the student may start the school in August. Multiple attempts to reach McKean and other representatives uh, for comment on the article published were unsuccessful. It's true that a student cannot come to our school and be transgender or homosexual. This is rooted in the scriptures. Okay. Now the question is, are they receiving public money funding for the school? He also said, we're not a hateful group, but we do not hate students. We don't hate students who are a particular persuasion. Okay. Mm -hmm. The email was a factor in prompting a family of a 16-year-old girl who is gay 
and was a student at the school to transfer her to a, another religious school that is more accepting. It's not like my daughter goes around wearing rainbow flags or anything like that, the teenager's mother said, but I'm not going to have her feel ashamed of herself for any reason. Blumen and her daughter asked that their identities be withheld for fear of harassment. The teen said that she felt like a social outcast at Grace Christian, but that the new school allows her to just be myself. Okay, I don't know. It sounds like a non-issue at this point, as long as um, an 18-year-old transgender man who graduated from Grace Christian School last year said that while no email like that one in June was ever sent while he was at school, it was well known that any student in the LGBT community must be kept secret. You know, I don't know. I, we could have a whole long discussion on that, and particularly, uh, <laughs> this one. <laughs> okay, we're back to Idaho, <laughs> and I lived there for a year. I never saw any of this, but it's become a hotbed. <laughs> Conservative activists want to ban 400 books from a library, but they aren't even on the shelves. <laughs> After nine months on the job, the library director is quitting. Nothing in my background could have prepared me for this, the political atmosphere of extremism. So the librarian, I read the article, and she's um, been there nine months. And she got a, a directive to remove 400 books. So her response was, um, you know, I got your message. We don't even have the books on uh, I don't have any of these books, so I, I don't need to risk to remove them. Well, that didn't satisfy them. <laughs> they wanted more from her. So they attempted to recall her because they felt she was not being cooperative. And because she spoke out against the censorship and she felt they felt she wasn't being supportive of the censorship. And um, that it, they were imposing God's standards on a public library. And the library is not to a, a religious uh, uh, extension. It's a public library. It's not a religious organization. And so they recalled her. And, 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 and then she started getting threats. And so she quit. Um, it's it's a very interesting conservative act. Okay, so after nine months on the job, library director quit. Four months, four months, a group of conservative Christians have inundated the staff of the public library in Boone's or Bonner's Ferry, Idaho, with complaints about books they didn't want to see on the shelves. The list of more than 400 titles predominantly focuses on young adult books with LGBTQ characters. Scenes describing sexual activity or invoking the occult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only problem, none of the books are in the library's collection. Still, the activists of the town of 2,500 people wanted the books preemptively banned. Okay. They formed, uh, they fumed that the library planned to join the American Library Association, a nonprofit trade or organization known for fighting censorship that the local activists falsely accused of promoting pedophilia. Mm -hmm. They started a campaign to recall all four of the five library trustees over a policy against 
restricting access to controversial books. Putting up signs around the town that read, our mission is to protect children from explicit materials and grooming. <sighs> you know, <laughs> I had a thought about grooming. <laughs> what if you turn grooming around, you know, the other way? Uh, what is grooming? Grooming is, uh, is, uh, influencing in this case, young adults in a way that you feel is appropriate or you feel that you'd like to see them, uh, respond to many things that you think that's the way they should respond. Fair enough. I mean, that's a good definition, right? So, for example, grooming would be when you're walking down the street, the gentleman should walk closest to the street and the lady should walk on the inside of the sidewalk. And it comes from many years ago when the streets were muddy and when the carriage passed, the mud might splatter. And so the gentleman would walk on the side closest to the street to protect the lady from the mud splatter. The gentleman would get splattered and the lady would be protected. So the gentlemanly thing to do was to walk with the lady on the, to protect her. And that would be grooming. You tell the young gentleman or grooming might be something simple that you pull the chair out for the lady or hold the door for the lady that's all grooming. You're grooming a person to have good manners. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> grooming might be also considered to that girls should have dolls and wear pink. Grooming might be that little boys have pellet guns and play war games and um, Indian, you know, as when I was a little kid, we played uh, uh, soldiers and Indians, you know, we killed the awful Indians, the Native Americans, they were the bad, the bad guys. Anyway, so we, we were groomed. So now they're saying that grooming is bad because the gays are grooming young adults to, and in, in, in my feeling, to be themselves. <laughs> we're grooming them to maybe wear boys to wear a dress as opposed to, and, and that's so untrue. No, I think if anything, uh, that's just not true. <laughs> if anything, our my attitude, and I think anyone I know that's gay, the attitude is to be yourself, true to yourself. That's the only grooming that happens. And I think whether whatever your inclination is, everyone should be true to themselves. Uh, and so it's a very, um, it's a very, uh, it's a word that I think it's designed to gaslight people into making them think that, that that's what happens, you know, and this thing that still goes around still to this day, that it's a choice. It has never been a choice. It is not a choice. No one chooses it. Believe me, the world is designed. I mean, like say the, 
the world is designed pre predominantly for right-hand people. Why would you choose to be left-handed when the world is designed for right-hand people? Why would you make want to make your life difficult? You know, if it's if it's designed for right-hand people, for, for yeah, be right-handed. <laughs> And the same goes for being gay. Uh, it, it's not a choice. It is, it is what works best for you. What is what you are. It's like the color of your eyes. Uh, I always like to say, yeah, you can put colored contact lenses and pretend that you got blue eyes when they're really brown or vice versa. But anyway, um, uh, so this whole grooming thing, um, yeah. That's uh, you turn it, turn, put the, put the shoe on the other foot. <laughs> oh, uh oh, oh! I am I'm out of here. I've run out of time. Can you believe that? I see. <laughs> anyway, it's been wonderful. It's a beautiful day. Go out and celebrate life, and don't think about any of these negative things I've been here talking about. It's a beautiful day. Have a little wine for lunch, a little white wine and some toast with some avocado on it. That's my recommendation. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in on KXFM 104.7 Rainbow Radio. Craig, I'll see you here next week. We have lots to catch up on. Thank you.